1: There's the weekly show here on the Blue Room, hope everybody's doing well. I'm sure everybody is doing very well after Everton won 4-1 against West Ham United last night in the Carabao Cup last 16. They are into the quarterfinals. the draw for that is tonight, and Everton women won in their semi-final against Birmingham City, absolutely demolished them, uh, actually uh, 3-0 in the end. There could have been a whole lot more from, from what I saw from that particular game, so great for them as well. We'll have a chat about both of those games over the course of the show. Uh, we were meant to have Daniel Storey on uh, his book today, but unfortunately schedule issues or some broadband problems have uh, got the better of us. But we are going to have an interview out uh, over the course of the next few days, so don't fret on that. Uh, but Dave Downey joins me. I'm Paul Guest, uh, I'm sure everyone will agree. Uh, very happy Dave Downey after all things going on at the moment. Um, that's, you know, woke up today, Dave, to do Blue Room Breakfast, early doors after not much sleep last night. Feeling great, just just every show at the moment. I'm just looking forward to and talking about the blues and how well they're doing. It's it's nice to walk around though, and the you can look forward to speaking about
0: these lads and these girls. Yeah, just in reference to what you were getting Daniel's story on to talk about, and Big Nev obviously is a massive mental health advocate and everything yeah. he does on social media. We see it on a daily basis, sort of his um, his Twitter handovers to different organisations and people. Who's who developed their lives to helping others? Um, it's really inspirational, but just in relation to that, I think what we've seen from Everton in the last what four weeks I think since the season started does, I think, magnify how much football matters to us all uh, and how much the the sort of um the trajectory Everton are on dictates a lot of people's moods. And I used to have like some quite. Quite deep thoughts about this, to be honest with you, because ultimately we care too much, don't we? As, as Evertonians, we care far, far too much about a gang of millionaires who stroll around the football pitch and couldn't give a toss about us in, in general. Um, and, and I know I'm just sort of covering on a blank. I'm sure, I'm sure some of them do. I'm sure most of them do. But what I'm trying to get at is uh, I, I find personally my mood is heavily influenced by how Everton are doing. Um and I, you know not not to label it as something as can point a finger of blame in that direction when things aren't going good and it's it coincides with me not feeling so good um in a mental health capacity it, it it does like you said there you do walk around with a bit of a strut an extra spring in your step you wake up your coffee tastes that little bit sweeter <laughs> everything you do has a little bit more color in your life and things like that and I, it is just the crest of a wave right now. If you look everywhere, social media is a relatively calm place, and everybody's getting along, talking about how good various players are and comparing them to to players gone by. Um it's it's what we want it to be and what it should be, I think, in in many of our minds. And I think that you, you've sort of exemplified that point, Matt, by saying you sort of wake up, even though you haven't had much sleep, you still sort of like you still have that sly grin on your face that you know what the toffees are doing well and no matter what else is going on in your life, there's there's that that's a real positive uh, impact right now and hopefully it continues as long as possible. But um yeah, we couldn't we couldn't at the start of the season have envisaged uh, how good we would have been so far and how the transformation has just been um it's immeasurable, isn't it? You know, po- it's not possible yeah. to actually put your finger on um how, how far this team's come in such a short space of time. It's, it's, it's gone from, I think, math being something that you think, well, is it a little bit of a storm in a teacup to begin with? Is it just that new season bounce and a couple of new players? But I can't even remember it lasting this long. So hopefully it's sustainable. Uh, let's face it, we're not going to win every single game this season. That'll be ludicrous. But oh, don't be so uh, negative, so, Dave. I, <laughs> I think um, I, I think if we keep things together, there's not a lot that looks like it can go wrong with this football club. And I know we've said that, that, those things in the past, but it feels like we've got a solid foundation to really kick on and have a really special season. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, all,
1: it's always important to start a season well. And that is, <coughs> you know, a, a cliche that, that, to always get trotted out. But I think it was extra important this season day that Everton started well. Not just because of how they, they finished last season in regards to the lockdown, but just the relentless nature of the matches. It's been... Weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, and weekend again coming up now. And if you if, if Everton lose that game against Tottenham and then say battle to a win against Salford, and then they, you know maybe draw against West Brom and draw against Palace, I think the rel- relentless nature of the games certainly as fans it it would probably be oh, you know it's, it's this again and I'm am sick of this you know and. You no, know, I quite like having the lockdown when there's no footy. You know, all those sorts of thoughts start to creep back into your head, don't they? And it's probably the same for the players as well. You'd rock up and think, you know, we've got new players and we've got a great manager, but you know, nothing, nothing's really changed, there. And we've got another game in a couple of days. We haven't really got much time to to sort out all these problems. And I think the relentless nature of this start of the season, obviously, it's going to continue in the main, but it will calm down after the international break a little bit, won't it? In regards to when when the matches are being played, but. If Everton had stumbled and slipped up a few times in these opening weeks, I think those negative thoughts would have been creeping back into the head of everyone. But because it's just been win, 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 win,
0: it's like, right, when's the next game? Let's have it. We're going to beat who's own point in front of us at the moment. Well, football is completely different to any other walk of life, isn't it? But in in, in one particular way, it's the same and it's the enjoyment you get out of doing your job. And for the players, I I think that rings true at the moment because we all know in our everyday lives, we're lucky enough to do this for a living, partially Matt. Um, and our daily jobs, we, we've chosen careers that we're supposed to enjoy, I know that's not always the case, uh, certainly when you're, you're a freelance journalist like me and you both are at this moment in time, but um, you, we've chosen career paths that are there essentially because we enjoy what we, what we do, we love making content, we love people listening and getting involved and discussing it, but there are times, particularly when Everton Poor, poor that it's difficult, it feels like a little bit of a chore at times, look, I'm not going to go down that track of ever taking it for granted, but Everybody has bad days at work. And I, I guess that's no different if you're a footballer. And you're absolutely right. I think you might well look at a set of fixtures or a difficult week coming up when you're not in a decent run of form thinking, this feels like a real chore. This I, I can't be bothered with this. And I think it's it's difficult to equate what, you know, me or you having a bad day at the office and then, and then trudging home and saying, oh, I'm glad that's over. And maybe have a beer every to sort of a night or sort to try and forget your problems and your woes. Footballers can't do that. Um, they, they have to be on it all the time and as a source of entertainment in these particular times with lockdowns and all that sort of thing they are a genuine source of entertainment you know what I mean they they, they have to they exist to keep people going i.e. everybody's like well I can't wait for the next game I can't wait to watch Everton play because it's got an entertainment factor for all of us it's got a vested interest of course there's an emotional side to it but I, I don't think people would appreciate that for football as it is a job When when football's a job, you you think, well, I can't help but feel as if I was in that position. I could never have a bad day. I could never worry about anything. I'd be financially secure for the rest of my life. How could this possibly ever be miserable for anybody? But we've seen in the past, haven't we, with with the way things go and the run of of games teams have, and when you're stuck in a rut, which we have for, what, five years, maybe six years in, in general, it must become really, really difficult to be motivated to perform and, can you imagine if you're sitting there, I don't know, runs of form in the past where maybe you haven't won in five or six games and you've got a trip to Anfield coming up or a trip to Man City or a trip to all the coming up. How can you possibly think, oh, I'm really relishing that? And I know professionalism yeah. does have its part to play. But you can't sit there if you've been on a, a on a really poor run. You've been sitting there dreading it, you'd be thinking, I can't wait for this to be over. You know, if we can limit it to a certain score line. I'd be quite happy if I come away from that and then I can sort of recharge the batteries and look at a more sort of um, easier games coming up to win. But footballers, I imagine, because they are human, have the same thought process as we do when it comes to work. It's just theirs is showcasing the public eye. So, yeah, I think I think it's really interesting. But right now, you talk about how we've had such a quick run of games uh, in terms of weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, which you'll obviously dissipate a little bit after the international break as the League Cup takes a backseat until December I think it is Yeah. so we should go back to sort of weekly games don't forget we've got a month to catch up effectively from when the season should have started Um, but when you're winning games I imagine it's a little bit easier to recover it's a little bit easier to get over the knock that you got the previous night and, and just sort of dust it off and get ready to go again and winning's a routine I think in football and Evan are smack in the middle of this now and, and hopefully they're all enjoying it and. And thirsty for more as well, because if, like I say, if they approach it that way, I don't think there's much that can go wrong. Yes, we'll, we'll lose to better sides, you know, we'll, we'll drop points unexpectedly. Um, that, that's the nature of every single season. Yes, you, you know, Liverpool have won it at a cancer last season. They have difficult moments, but ours look like they can be reduced. They can be sort of minorized a little bit um, because we, we seem to have a real foundation where not much can actually go wrong. Yeah, I think that's
1: that's a, a really good point, actually. And it's yeah, it's, it's it's one of them, isn't it? Where you mentioned about the the recovery there as well, and how it's you know easier to get back in. And it just, just actually just just something that came into me out then when you're saying about you know you talk about games against City and Liverpool away, you sort of write them off. It's watching that Spurs documentaries made me realise that the players do that, and they they talk about football with their mates like we talk about football with our mates, and we will sort of go well, well you know. We're going there, you know. We're going to Man City away, and you know they've won however many games in a row. or well, Liverpool, and they've won how many games in a row? It's going to be tough for us. This, you know, points would be great. And, you, and you'd almost write, write it off, and like you said, the human beings and the, most of them are, y- are young men and young women who watch football and have an interest in football as a fan outside of it, albeit it is their job. And and those four processes still creep into their head, and you, and you saw that with that that Spurs documentary, but. On the the recovery, Dave, and you know the, the next game, and just keep on going. I think it's it's probably fitting we should talk about uh, the girls and their win last night first and foremost because they had a, a gruelling game obviously on Sunday against Chelsea, um, the defending FA Cup holders. Uh, they come back and, and won that one. Uh, obviously Birmingham had a, a game against Brighton as well, which went to, to penalties, so they 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 were they were heavy legged but. Um, watching i I had it on for the first half last night, and then I had it on the background and sort of watching both games while while we were on as well um, with the the Carabao cup stream and it was just it seemed like every time I, I was watching it or every time I looked up that Everton were, were applying the pressure Um, they, they could have easily lost the patience early on because the goal didn 't come you know they, they hit the post they, you know they, they, at times it didn 't quite work in the final third, but you know Izzy christensen plays a great ball into Samoa McGill for for the first goal and and from that point, they didn't look back really. And, you know, it's a it's massive credit, I think, to, to Willie Kirk and his coaching staff and, and the girls and the new signings that haven't lost effectively their star player in the summer in Chloe Kelly. And, you know, we, we were sat on shows here going that it's, it's going to be really hard for them to, to replace her for, for her goals and her influence in the team. That they've gone out, made some savvy acquisitions, and they look even better for it now.
0: Yeah, I mean, Everton have got a history of doing that, haven't he? Uh, older, older listeners, older watchers of what we're doing right now. Matt, I remember Gary Lineker in 86. He was absolutely fantastic. Everton went up winning nothing. We sold him and then we ended up winning the league again. Um, it, it's funny the way things work out that way, that if you sell a star player, generally I think a lot of people, the knee reaction is the world's caving in. <laughs> and everyone remembers when we sold Wade Rooney. The year after that, we went and finished fourth. It, it, it just works out that way sometimes, the... Uh, the, the sum of the team's parts is much better than the individual often and I think we're seeing that now with, with, with Everton women you, you look at everybody else chipping in with goals you had Lucy Graham of course Christensen like you said Chloe Kelly was obviously the the, the main focal point of the attack last season but you look at everybody else I think it if, they, if they're the right kind of profile and personality which is probably typified by Lucy Graham re- recently because she's been outstanding uh, then you, you tend to rise to the challenge I think and that Spurs documentary may be, might well be an example. When he lost a player like Christine Erickson, I think a lot of players internally would then feel, well, okay, now it's on me to prove that I can be the influence that he was when, when he left. And I think that at the top end of the game, it probably separates the weak from the chaff, the the, the, the really good ones, doesn't it, Matt? Yeah. In many ways, because if you're somebody who's been on the periphery, or maybe somebody not looked at in the light of a Chloe Kelly in that side, if you've got that attitude of, well, I want to be the next one of them. I want to be the person who recreates all those goals. I want to be that missing piece that we've got since losing a star player like that. Then that attitude, I think, serves everybody quite well. And this this Everton Lady side seems to have a number of those characters in there who are able to do that. Simone so, with is a striker, isn't she, as well? Yeah. So I'm pretty sure she'll have seen it as an opportunity when Chloe Kelly left to really pick up that mantle and, and be the main focal point of of the Everton attack, and she took a goal really well. I watched the highlights earlier on. It was live on BBC Four as well, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. And obviously, there'll be huge amounts of coverage for the final in uh, well, exactly a month today, I think it is, 1st of November when they're at Wembley. Um, who knows, might be able to get a few people in there, um, the, the way the, the government might want to introduce spectators and things like that. That'd be absolutely brilliant. Um, it does make you feel already a little bit regretful that it ha- it's happened when... People aren't in, and I'm, I'm sure that's probably going to be the case with the men's team as well. Uh, we'll make a final for the first time in 11 years, and then nobody will be able to go. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about I'll it. Take like that. That. I'll take that to be fair. Oh, absolutely, we'll, we'll, we'll find our own ways to celebrate, socially distanced and uh, in line with coronavirus protocol. make no mistake about that. But, um, yeah, and, and you know, talking about that side of things in terms of a quick influx of games Matt you're right they, they, they put everything into that Chelsea game at the weekend Birmingham yes they were favourites against Birmingham to win last night but by no means is that an easy challenge when you've just overcome probably the best side in in England in, in Chelsea and I think they've certainly got the best manager as well um, for them to come through that is, is testament to how Willie Kirk has got this team organised he's got the girls set up uh, in a way that's really difficult to beat and then when they do get the chances they invariably take them uh, and and it's become a really, I think, much more of a team effort than it has been in previous years. But also, as well, I think we need to give credit to the club because in Chloe Kelly leaving, they quite quickly realised I think that they needed to cater for that loss in terms of bringing in players who were who good enough to push Everton on in the WSL, and they've done that. They've done it a plenty. There's several players they brought in who we haven't even seen the you know the full potential from because the season's still in the early throws and things like that. So. It's a wonderful time for, for Everton women, riding on the crest of the wave and I'm almost certain, Matt, that it's it's not isolated. I think there's a there's a confidence and a buzz that's emanating throughout the whole football club right now, the fans, both teams, everything that's going on um seems to be a really positive thing and, and it seems to just to be, they feed off each other. Yeah, Calvin Lewin, which I thought was lovely at the end of his interview that we put out on our oh, social. Fantastic, yeah, yeah. It's seeing seeing that, imagine if you never ladies played there, and you, you see that, you know the lad who's top of the Premier League goal goalscorer and probably the hottest property in terms of English football right now, um, given the the current landscape, is saying congratulations and well done to you. Um, I think we're past the point where something like that'd be a little bit of lip service. I think we're at something that's really genuine, and it's a, it's a sign of what's going on at the football club. And again. You know, if they were to go and win that next month, they will be underdogs. Who have their face, let you know. Let, let's make no mistake about that. Arsenal and uh, Man City are probably they the other two of the big three, I suppose. But Everton are, cl- are quite clearly right up there in the battle for who's, who's best of the rest type of thing, and the recruitment they've done, everything else going on there, looks like they can really try and breach
1: that. Yeah, and I think like, even like Valerie Gavane, who was on the bench last night. You know, she's French international, and <laughs> we haven't seen. Much from air, yeah, and you wonder what you know you put air in, in that setup as well, and they could go to another level. And just finally, TV on this show
0: as well, Math The Australian,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah um, there's loads, loads more to come. And I think it's, it's really, we spoke to Willie Kirk, you know, probably earlier in the year, and he, he mentioned, I think it's the case in the interview that they did that you know the, the FA Cup is something he was prioritizing. You know, he stuck it up on a board and said, you know, this is the date, obviously it's been moved since, but the final's this date and we've got to us to be there. And he was really confident. And, he, you know, I think a lot, a lot of managers were sort of shy away from that. They sort of say, you know, there's no pressure, <coughs> the league counts more, um, you know, we don't want to put too much expectation on them, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it, it's great that he sort of got a read on their personality so well and obviously knows them so well that if you sort of lay down the gauntlet to, to these players then they're going to respond well to it. And I think, it, I think doing that and getting the best ultimate by doing that is a testament to his ability to read his players and the way in which he's got to know his players. Because let's not forget, in the grand scheme of things, he's not been at the club for that long, has he either? You know, he's, he's, still, he's still relatively fresh. But um, fantastic job done by him. And as you mentioned, Dave, Lucy Graham, great leader in that side as well. Uh, there's, there's a lot of good things going
0: on there at the moment. I
1: mean, um, I
0: think they'll have to bat clubs away, Matt. I think in the future with mm. Lucy Graham, she's a she's an exceptional talent as a footballer. But like you say, those leadership skills, are a great reality. I think in in the ladies' game, somebody who's constantly bellowing at the at the fellow teammates, who is sort of demanding a high standard of everybody that that is immeasurable. Again, it's something that you can't put a price on. I don't think so. It, she, she'll definitely have a lot of suitors. I think she'll try and pry her away from uh, from mm. Everton in the future. But yeah, for now, mate, they look like they're flying and. You know, you, you you talk about other sides. We we had a conversation, with not we? I won't forget it ever. Um, I think you we were actually off on that day on, on team talk over, over the summer. Tim Stillman from Arsenal, who's a journalist with their ladies team, and he was actually telling us about how relatively cheap it is to sustain a top level women's side. And it actually isn't that much in terms of a um, in terms of a cash outlay. Uh, but Everton seem to have really put a focus into this. I mean, you talk about Willie Care coming in. Remember Jamie Spencer? He knows spent quite a bit of time on the blue room in the past. It obviously didn't work out for him as the manager, but they didn't have the finances that Everton decided to push into the into the ladies game. Um, which he, I, I guess, I mean, how could you not? You'd be sitting there right now feeling pretty sort of rueful about that, thinking that you know maybe the I Roberto Martinez, felt when Machete <laughs> come in? Um, you sit there and think, Do you know what? If, if they've been able to hang on for another year or so, perhaps this could have been me. Um, but back then, you think, what, two, two and two and a half, three seasons ago, this was a club that was languishing down there yeah. in, the, in the top division before the uh, reformation of the WSL. And now they're, they're a top-class side, they're better than mid-table. And I'm really excited to see where they could go next.
1: Yep, 100%. We'll be doing a lot of build-up to that game in the FA Cup final. I'm keeping in touch, obviously, with how getting on the WSL over the next few weeks and the build-up to that as well. So big congratulations to them. Uh, just a few other stories, Dave, today. Obviously, the, the main one when it comes to to the lads is Dominic Carver-Lewin. Um, a few hours ago, as we record this now, uh, called up to the England senior squad for the first time. Uh, no surprise, really, uh, given what he's done over the last few weeks of the season. But, you know, I put, put a tweet out on the, the Blue Room account before, sort of saying he's got a new long-term contract this year. He's scored eight goals in his first five games. He's... He's a top-scorer in all of European football's top five leagues and now he's got his first senior call-up. It's been, it's been a hell of a year, hasn't it, for him?
0: He, he, I mean, he, he amazes me, uh, Calvert-Lewin, because I, <clears throat> I've been one of his doubters in the past and, and it's been great to see this morning. I think you've seen a lot of Evertonians eating some really large slices of humble pie, admit that they were wrong about him and, and I think it's almost become quite popular to admit that you've been Wrong about him, which is obviously not, not the way with many fans on social media. But I mean, you look at the journey he's been on, the journey he's had, he will not have enjoyed a lot of it. He will not have enjoyed flogging himself countless times, even when he made it through to the first team and become a bit of a regular in, in Ronald Koeman's side. You won't have enjoyed the ins and outs of, of Sam Allardyce. And I think it was Marco Silva really who gave him that impetus, given the number nine shirt. Do you have to throw a little bit of credit his way? I think you probably do. Um, he allowed him to play that forward role and still have a doubts, Matt I think if you if you look at the um, the, 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 chronolo- the the chronology of his um, way to where he is now it's been far from a smooth ride it's, he's had so many bumps along the way at points where I think many of us even even you who who's stuck with him all the way through to your credit you'll have still had internally I don't know if you'd admit it now or not but internally you'd have those doubts over whether Maybe not so much his ability or his talent, but whether he'd actually be given the chance. And, and I think that was a big one. And who the thought it? Romelu Lukaku, Romelu Lukaku leaving is probably the best thing that's ever happened to him, really, because he, was, he wasn't even second fiddle, let's face it. He was somebody who was brought in to, to run the channels and essentially do the legwork that he lacked in the initial. And then you, you look at the last couple of seasons, goal scoring still hasn't been there, but the work rate has. You referenced something really important last night, and it was a real mark in the sand for me. When he put in that performance away at Manchester City at the start of Cooman's. Oh that was but Mark Mo- that was Mark was it Yeah. As much as I'd love to um, take the credit for it, yeah. I mean, it was I thought it was a fantastic point, and one that really needs, I think, stamping on his his career trajectory, really, Matt, because he's that night, I think, typified to us that he was definitely a Premier League player. We still didn't know about his goal scoring ability, but he was essentially played as a, a front man up front on he was up front on his own yet didn't look like he was ever going to score a goal. And yet he'd come out of that game, I remember it was on the post-match that night outside the Etihad, saying how good um, he was in that game. He, he ran them ragged. I mean, you think of City back there, right in their peak, Vincent company, smack in the middle of his uh, the best years of his career. And all of the City stars they've got, he was immense, holding the ball and keeping possession. And that's slowly but surely translated into him getting the opportunity he deserves and it just shows you if you persevere with people you keep patience with them even in the cutthroat world of the Premier League and you know you need everything here and now and you can't wait for things it does come and you know maybe it's a way for many of us to learn many clubs to learn as well that when players don't hit the ground running when it's an old adage isn't it years ago you get you get a chance I think you know mid-90s Premier League genuinely like Strikers that get a year, maybe two, to prove themselves before they become a regular um, at what they need to do and be able to become top-level performers. That that's completely gone from the game these days. So he's a little bit of a throwback like that, which I like. That you know he would not have been given this chance uh, in in many ways at many clubs as well. I think he'd have been thrown around a little bit, uh, possibly a lot of low moves. But perseverance and, and I guess essentially a little bit of luck on Everton's part that they haven't been able to find that striker since Lukaku. Has meant that a lot of influence has, has gone his way, a lot of impetus and pressure on his shoulders, and he's delivering, and we're all enjoying it right now. And I couldn't care less about England, as you know, Matt, but I was absolutely delighted to see that call up today. Hmm. I think it's.
1: I think that you're right. The club have shown patience and, and perseverance with them to a degree, but
0: he's shown it with them as well. I think, yeah, yeah I,
1: absolutely. And I don't think it's. I don't think it's ever been completely blind perseverance or patience from the club. No. I think. I think. You know, even people who have been critical of him down the years, which is absolutely fair enough, have always recognized and indicated that that there is something there. People always should say there is something there of him. You know, his physical attributes are good. He provides a quite unique threat in his ability to win headers, to run to the channels. He's he's very quick as well. And I think people would recognize, would always say there's something there, but I'm not sure he, he can entirely put it together. But I think what, what that shows, David, that the fact that the people stuck with him and and you know Everton have had a lot of different managers down the years. We've played a lot of different styles of football. But every single one has always gone back to Moon. back to, to Carver Loon in the end, have the... air, there's the dogs again. No we're, we're talking about Dom. So uh, you've got to get a gotta get a word in dogs for this. It's because there's a
0: nice there's a nice clean van outside, so they've gone nuts. Yeah. But it's it's uh <laughs> But yeah, but I think I think he's a player I
1: think that his teammates really appreciate, or certainly I've appreciated even before he was scoring goals, and managers appreciate as well because he he does. He's always done a fine job for the team, whether it be playing on the right hand side or playing at the top end of the pitch. And I think if you go back to that spell in Marco Silva's first season, where we won those four games, so won those three games in a row at home against top six sides, and we drew against Liverpool, and it was all it was all really encouraging and exciting even in those games when he wasn't scoring. I remember speaking about it on the show and saying, well, he, he's playing a really important role in a team that's beaten other really good sides. So so why why wouldn't he be in the team? And, and obviously his, his role has changed a lot since then. He's very much a, a penalty box player now. But I just think it's dead encouraging that, you know, we, we've got that player now who can score goals and, and be in the right place at the right time. And it's not just luck that, of course, it's anticipation and his movements and, and, and all those sorts of things is really sharpened up. But I think that the really exciting thing for me, Dave, is that he can be that, but he can also still be that fellow who, if you're playing away from home, you know, at a place where you're not going to have much of the ball, he can win your files, he can hold it up, he can run into the channels and do all those things as well. So he is very much a multifaceted striker. He can be be the the penalty watch poacher like he has been the last few weeks against teams we should be beating. And I think he's shown countless times against the better sides, where you may need to knock the ball into the channels and hold it up a little bit and bring others into the game. But he can do that as well. Albeit with the player play we've got around him now, you might not have
0: to do that as much. Well, you think, think of the context of why that's the case, Matt. I, do you know what? I think I'm going to have to get a soundproof house, never mind the room. <laughs> Just wait for that ice cream van to go off. Is that, not that. The la- is that not the largest ice cream van you ever had in your life, sounds, by the way? It sounds like it's in your front room. Yeah, there's the dogs howling at it now. It's it's, it's not a good place to broadcast. Get me his back in the studio, will you, Matt? Bring the council and tell them to get start
1: putting uh, together
0: the coronavirus-proof studio for us. Uh, um, but to give him context of why people, I think, maybe weren't willing to give him the patience was, he was thrust right back into the action after Lukaku Le left, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, which everybody was devastated about that we didn't replace him. Um, we all had the fun with Steve Walsh and the comments he came come out with after who left to go to Man United. but and, and that probably rubbed off unfairly. Looking back on it on, on Calvert-Lewin, that probably put a lot of, well, look, this guy isn't good enough. Simply put, we need to go out and spend a lot of money on a top-level striker if we can get one. And it, it did put an unnecessary pressure because he wasn't allowed to, to grow or thrive. He was just thrust straight into it. And as... As many of those players, there's a little bit of a generation of them, isn't there? Knocking about the club. John Joe Kenny's another one, and Davis is the other. I think he was sort of probably infamously remembered for David Unsworth when he decided to drop every sign and we had and go with much of the under 23 team away at Leicester that time. And obviously that did them no good whatsoever. But if you're able to learn from those lessons like he has, look how I can't imagine there's anything in this game that can be thrown at him. You look at the way young players have handled themselves in regards to Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood recently, um, basically banished from the England squad for, for who knows how long. Uh, certainly, this one. And I imagine those challenges in life that everything that it throws at him, he's able to shrug his shoulders at that. Given the, I'm pretty sure awful time he had for the for the you know say for the last eighteen months, his Everton career has probably been quite difficult for him to firstly, excel, and secondly, mature as a normal you know, 20-odd-year-old kid who, who's learning the walks of life in a, in a bizarre environment of a Premier League, uh, which is a hotbed for, <laughs> for sensationalism and anger and hate right. and frustration.
1: Hmm. And I'm
0: just talking about me. <laughs> so <laughs> so he, he, that, that's why, on a personal level, I admire what he's done, probably a little bit more than what he's done and achieved so far as a footballer, Matt. And, Obviously, they're going hand in hand right now. But if you come to a point where, and the end of last season might be might be a decent example actually, where he went through a spell where he didn't score, he found it really difficult to find the back of the net. Didn't for one minute look to me like he was getting frustrated or upset, or he didn't look like he was panicking. The only thing I saw a little bit more from him was shooting on sight. He tended to get get the ball maybe a little bit deeper and have a pot of goal. Absolutely nothing wrong with that as far as I'm concerned. And um, yet others players who are older than him might take that run of form much more worse than he did and I think he can put all of that down to his experiences as a human being more more so than a footballer in his formative years since he come to us so I I, I love him I love the bones of him mm-hmm. and uh, again referring it to what happens in the future young English striker that's banging him in for fun I think there'll be a lot of clubs having a look at that in the future and you know, at the very least, they've put a huge premium on his head.
1: Yeah, but well, thankfully he signed a new contract. Not too long ago, <laughs> in that regard. So you're
0: all panicking good. already. I can see, I can <laughs> see the anxiety in Oh, face.
1: I won't sell him for all the money in the world, mate. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a world record fee, I
0: think, offered for for. for I'd let him go. It um, just, just not seem Matt, that he's so sound as well. But like, he just seems like oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. A really nice guy. And you, you mentioned the sort of physicality a little bit earlier. Someone put some photos up of when he made his debut. Was sort of, he's like double the thickness. I'd love to see the stats in terms of his muscle weight and muscle percentage in his body and stuff because he's a unit. I mean, you look at him as if someone put a picture up of his legs the other day or make, you crack nuts on them. I mean, he's, he's like double the thickness of what he was, yet seems a hell of a lot faster as well. He's he's an a proper athlete. athlete. I, think he's when, I think sometimes when
1: players put that bulk on, they struggle to... Yeah. They maintain that natural speed, don't they? It's, and and he's, he's managed to. He's still absolutely wrapped in that, that, that sense. It sounds like it's all
0: kicking off you your off, mate. Oh, my God. So I, I, I told Haley to put the dogs out, yeah. but in turn, putting the dogs out means that they've got the whole world to bark at the ice cream van <laughs> that's just left. So the remainder of this show should be a little bit more quiet if Bob shuts up. There we go. Are you Are going to go off and get a call on that, huh? I was going to get a 99er, but obviously we've, uh, we've gone too long. Uh, just very quickly
1: before we wrap up just a couple more points Uh, more speculation about Moyes Keane today mate Um, Mm. Leaving the football club obviously left out of the squad last night for the game against West Ham Uh, Angelotti said he was not injured but Keane said he didn't feel right Um, starting to feel as though I wouldn't be too surprised if he he left by the end of this window which would be disappointing (coughs) but I don't know. I just, I just feel like maybe we're not getting the whole story with Keane. You know, so, something maybe isn't quite mm. right, and it would be disappointing if he, if he was to go back to to Juventus. Maybe Everton would be happy if they could get the money back. But I think there's I mean, the thing I'd say is as, as much as we wanted to to come good, and there's clearly a player there. There's there'd be a reason why Everton are selling this fella if they to decide to sell him, isn't there?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it has a touch of the Adamola Luckmans about it, this for me, uh, who ironically has just got a move for Fulham, as he's back in the Premier League. Now it'll be interesting to see how he kicks on. Um, we, should also, side,
1: we should also congratulate Ross Barkley on his um, huge move to Aston Villa.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, do you know what? It's funny. We've had we've all had our fun with this, and it, it's blatantly obvious that we're all really bitter at Ross because of one, we thought he was one of us, and two, he completely screwed the club out of some hefty financial. Um, income coming in didn't he uh, so you know he's he, it's a fall from grace I think funny thing is Matt I think he might well do he'll do okay there because he's he's going back to a football club that is look the, the, we, we weren't ever like that but a newly promoted side where he will get a game I feel as if he could do some damage there That that's just a disclaimer I'm throwing out right now when he goes and bangs in 20 odd goals before the end of the season but uh, yeah it, it's, it, it clearly hasn't worked out for him at Chelsea has it? as we all predicted and um, yeah I don't think he'll have thought he'll have ended up at Aston Villa newly promoted side that struggled to stay up last season uh, within what two and a half years of leaving Everton to join a, a club that's won the Premier League many people will say look he's won Europa League and that, that's fine but how much was his contribution um, so yeah I mean w- with him he wouldn't have expected that and uh, We'll see how he does at Aston Villa, but with Moise came yeah, there'll be a, there'll be a hint of regret if he ends up going back to Juventus, even even if it is on loan. But like you say, I think there's often no smoke without fire with stuff like this, and many people. I mean, we all we all scoffed at Graeme Sooness's remark last year didn't we? may have uh, he may have some disciplinary disciplinary issues. I'm not too sure to buy that still, but quite clearly he hasn't settled. You can you can, you can see that's clear. He doesn't look happy in the slightest when. Even when he scores goals, it's, there's no celebration. It's a shrug of the shoulders. He looked like someone had told him that you know his, his house had been burgled or something when he scored against uh, Fleetwood and Salford as well. So, yeah, it's one of those. And The thing with these things, I, I just hate the thought that they go on to, to achieve bigger and better things, having left us. Because then you do look at it and think, what was up there? Do you, is there an onus on the club to have treated them a little bit better or something like that? But in the
1: same breath, how do Everton get him to that level now? Because they've got, as we've said on this show and on last night's instant reaction, they've probably got the best centre-forward in the in the country at the moment, leading the line for them. So, you know, what what, do you, what, what do you do? You know, if you've got a player, there, if you've got a striker there who's unhappy, who's not playing well, maybe the manager just doesn't really rate that highly and someone's saying, well, we'll give you your money back on him and we can just, you know, we can wash our hands of it. We can both go our separate ways and say everyone's happy with this. And it, it, it'd be tempting, wouldn't it? And I think if he did go on to do well at Juventus, then I don't necessarily think I'd, I'd sit here and go, oh, you know, what, what are we playing we, play we missed out on here? Because sometimes at football clubs, things just don't align for certain players. You know, look at four Line at Man United. Absolutely stunk the gaff out and then went on to become one of the best strikers in world football for about five, six, seven years after that. Sometimes it just doesn't work out and the stars don't align for players at certain clubs.
0: Well, we felt that way in the past. We've been, we've had our fingers burnt that way in many ways. I mean, you remember Eric Dyer was with us. Yeah. Um, he, I don't know how good anyone thinks he is, but he's an England regular now and Spurs regular. He would have gone for a lot, hell of a lot of money. Um, Mustafi as well, a bit of a bizarre one, World Cup winner. Um, it, it's happened before, and I think it happens to a lot of different clubs. You often hear stories, don't you? Of, uh, teams, look at Lamptey there at uh, uh, Brighton, Chelsea, let him go readily this kid looks like he's going to be England's left-back for the next 15 years Um so yeah, I mean, it happens and I think you're right, Matt, nobody can predict that what's going to happen but you, you must feel a little bit regretful I mean, we've, we brought this kid over from Italy, we all remember the video that he uh, he did with Marcel Brands, and it all looked like he was being welcomed into a new family type of thing but I suppose the, the underlying comment you make about all of it is if, if Carlo Ancelotti can't get the best out of him or find a reason for him to start games or to certainly get more game time, then that's a pretty good estimation of, of where he's at in terms of being good enough to, to you know to, to lead Everton's line. Mm. Um so yeah I mean with a low move just did you look at it like that and think, well if there's an obligation to buy then it's probably good buy isn't it but yeah if he was to go there you'd like to think rejuvenate himself a little bit, got his home comfort, speaks the language obviously. And, and maybe start firing again, but I look at it and think, how does he get into Juve's team as well? Matt, I'm, I'm not too sure. Well, they've got Ronaldo
1: de Bala, they've signed back again as well, so it's so, it's difficult. But with us,
0: with, with, with us as well, I mean, the nature of our start to the season makes it even more difficult, doesn't it? I mean, you, if you're him, you're sitting there thinking, I, I'm, I have to be a little bit selfish here and think that, look, if I'm not going to get into this side because it's performing so well. You know, and I can't get into it when the performance so poorly. When oh, do right. I ever get a chance?
1: I'll go to an even better side instead, and stare than shizzle, yeah,
0: yeah. And stare. it's it is, it is a bizarre one. Um And yeah, like I think you're right, Matt. I, I don't think maybe maybe it'll come out in the washing in <clears throat> the coming weeks and months. But something looks amiss to me. Um I, I don't know whether he feels as if he should have been given more of a chance. I think many people would argue that certainly under Silver. I think he was very, very vastly underused under. Under Marco Silva, Ancelotti, you can't blame him for not giving him a go. But when he has come on recent weeks, he scored goals. Many people point out to the fact that his performances have been quite poor and he's looked a little bit disinterested. Maybe that's unfair, but he has found the back of the net. Would have been handy, I guess. Um, but when you look at when Everton are in trouble in games, and I'm thinking more towards the end of last season, it was never a case of quickly, let's turn to Moise Keane, was it? He'd, he'd even have people in front of him who'd come on ahead of him. And that is probably the real sort of wake-up call. He's, he's needed to think, Do you know what, if I'm not the first choice here, if we need a goal, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, and I think
1: people might be screaming at us here, Dave, and saying, you've, just, <coughs> you've, you've both just been talking about how uh, a strike, a straight, uh, you know, a striker in Carver-Lewin needed patience, needed perseverance, <laughs> et etc. et cetera. And now And you, now you're ready to sell Maurice Keener? Yeah. And it's not like that, but I think we've got to look at this through the lens of what you've been saying all summer, and that is Carlo Ancelotti is not here for the long term, he, yeah. he is about for the next three years. Uh, getting him indicates that Everton are going to be thinking mainly about the short to midterm. The signings we've made this summer for, for big money indicates Everton are going to be about the short to midterm. And if he's looking at Keane and thinking, What can if, you know, if I ship you out? See Ventus and the club get the money back, that's fine. And I can get someone in like an Arcadius Milik who's a bit more experienced and a bit more, you know, you know battle hardened, or someone like Maxi Gomez and Valencia on loan. And, you know, maybe not those players in particular, but someone in in that mould who can offer a little bit more from the bench and provide a bit more of an impact so I think he's probably going to be fine with that because it, it's all going to be about what this team can do this season. Season after, and maybe the season after that as well. I think that, that's that's the lens the club are looking at through the moment. I mean, if if we had someone in who's who's going to be here for a bit longer, who's looking to develop more young players, then I think maybe then they would be a little bit more a little bit more patient with them, and a little bit more reluctant to, to to cut ties now. But given the way in which Everton are approaching this under the manager they've got, I feel as though they might just take the money and run.
0: I think that's an excellent point. I think I think the project. In inverted commas has gone out of the window, hasn't it? These four or five-year grand design type, you know, we're going to do this, this, this and this, and it being sort of a linear process. That's all gone out the window now. We are very much about the here now. And to be fair, we should all be for that because we've seen that these things haven't worked out for us. It's just something that we've been able, to, unable to, to get our heads around in terms of having a, a director of football model that's in conjunction with a manager, where it's, right, year one's this target, year two's the next. Football's not like that, is it? It throws up all different surprises. and that th- you, you can't bank on that. Those things actually work. Matt, in, in having projects where you sign a glut of young players and you think, right, they're going to be here for the future because, well, they're not going to stick around if they're not getting a game. And we're not going to want them if they can't play well enough. So I think the strategy we have now, I don't think it's been meant or the intent's been there. But I think we've stumbled upon it in getting Ancelotti in as a manager, who's... I mean, I personally think he'll be he'll be quite um, quite deadly behind the scenes, Ancelotti, in terms of telling these what he wants and how he sees this working out. And it's coming to bear fruit right now, isn't it? Because it feels like it's the here and now. You look at the the ages of the players that we've signed this summer. You look at what they're they're thinking of doing in regards to how they move players on as well. It looks like the accelerator being pushed down quite rapidly, um, and. Look, that, that might work against us in future years. Like I said to you, and it's something I don't want everyone to get down about, but what do you do when Ancelotti leaves? <laughs> and I think a, a, a well-run football club might well look look at that at some point in terms of its forward planning. But for the here and now, Everton are doing absolutely the right thing. And look, we need this. We need it to continue. We need the players that he goes on to sign and the rest of the recruitment to get on board with it. That it's about right now. It's about Everton beating Brighton on Saturday it's about two weeks giving Liverpool the hard and we've needed to do for the best part of what one or two decades home and away that's what this side's about that's what this football club's about right now the future can wait I guess because we, we need some instant success we need it right now and thankfully what six games in we're getting it yeah just just a
1: couple more points on that I want to make it's it's not as if the <coughs> side is full of a bunch of old old fellas, you know, charging round. You know, last night we had young fullbacks in Kenny and in Kunku. Richardson and Carver Lewin are still young. Gordon wasn't even in the squad. Of course, Bramthwaite's injured. Yeah, Mason Holgate's injured. There's still a, a lot of youth in that in that setup. So it's not as if all of a sudden these lads are going to grow all together and we to be like, oh, we've got a team full of 35-year-old footballers here. And I think the other thing just finally I want to say I'm Keen, and I said this on the, the kickabout, I think, last week or the week before, the I mean Things can change so quickly in football, and they can change very quickly for a centre forward. And if he comes on at the weekend when it's one-one and scores the winning goal, all of a sudden he, he might find a way of getting into the team. His confidence might be up again, and things might change very quickly for him. Um, so,
0: what if Tom? If the, heaven or oh, heaven forbid, if Tom gets injured away on in international duty? Absolutely,
1: absolutely, You know that, that, those things can happen, can't they? So. Things can change very, change very quickly in football, certainly for strikers as well. Uh, we, we are out of time today, Dave. Um, in regards to Brighton, what we've got coming up uh, on the Blue Room Extra, patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra, I spoke to Jeremy Smith, uh, all about their gutting week, really. Uh, that game against Manchester United was insane, wasn't it? Um, he said it was the most upset he's ever felt after a football match, that one. So, uh, so yeah, spoke to Jeremy all about that. Uh, so, if you want to hear that, that's on Blue Room Extra. Uh, Me and Les Roberts will also be back with What's the Score on YouTube, that's a half five uh, British summer time tomorrow, with Sue Smith, uh, top toffee Sue Smith, uh, former England international, Sky Sports are regular now as well, Uh, really looking forward to having Sue on and getting her thoughts on, and of course, what's going on this weekend and how the girls got on in midweek, Um, and Dave, Blue Room 101 is back
0: as well on, on, on Patreon. Yeah, absolutely. Les Roberts is the guest, uh, and the reason I've chosen. Well, the reason I've chosen the first two guests. First one was Jack Carlisle, who we had such a laugh with. It was last such week. a funny show. It's. Uh, I mean, I, I I love I love sitting back and hearing people's take on on aspects of Everton that we we've all come to grow and sort of love, even though we've read you know hated it for the most part. But um, yeah, it's it's really good fun. It's complete entertainment i would say it's got not got your sort of um thorough analytical mm. podcasty stuff that we do a lot of uh like post-match and stuff like that there's none of that sort of thing it is pure uh, emotion and it's supposed to be really funny it's end and, of the week uh, show isn't it it's a friday night yeah show. It, it, it's exactly the type of thing you want to listen to driving home from work trying to wind down for the weekend um and basically yeah just to, to quickly say what it is it's blue room 101 it's a it's an Everton take on the old TV show that was hosted by Nick Hancock and Frank Skinner. Um, three different topics, which I'll outline at the start of each show. And uh, I ultimately decide if they'll enter the vault. That is Blue Room 101, to so we never seen or heard of again. Jack did really well, actually. All three of his things that he picked went into Blue Room, Blue Room 101. So please check out the first episode. We've had really good feedback on it so far. Um, if you check that out, it's on the Patreon service already. Me and Jack Carlisle going through his three items that he'd like to see in the Blue Room 101 and it Les I'm really excited about because he's about as dry as me mm. and uh, yeah he's, he's seen the good the bad newly with Everton as he's a little bit older than all of us Les so uh, I'm sure he'll have some interesting takes to throw in there but yeah that'll be out tomorrow evening.
1: Yes yeah, Mike De was on Blue Room Breakfast which is also on Patreon every morning and we were talking about that, and he, he, he is itching to get on that show because, you know, no one loves him more than Mike D. Asher, I think, yeah. really, when, it, when it comes to things like So, yeah, looking forward to that. And we should also say as well, thanks to everybody who subscribed. Recently, uh, we've been yeah. in on data with new subscribers over on Patreon. Um, we really appreciate it. We're doing all we can to, to bring everyone as much uh, quality content as we can in what are obviously difficult times, certainly for people in Merseyside again at the moment. But um,
0: it's- well, Matt, we, we've actually we've actually achieved what I think we felt was the impossible um, when we started out with the subscription service, and that is bringing content every single day. There's something new on there on a daily basis, um, which I, I think is a wonderful thing to be able to say to people that you know we try to make some value of what we do and I mean we used to often say it's worth about 13p a show it must be down to single figures that by now in terms of what you get for your money so um we'd like to say as both as a local we are a local business as well and obviously everybody's struggling right now looks like it's going to be a little bit more of a darker time as well in the next few weeks but we endeavor to provide the best content we possibly can and we hit we hit five million subs this year which is astronomical when you compare it to everywhere else we are the most listened to Everton podcast and um, yeah, we, we just want to say thanks massively for your support. We, I think we try our best and we're quite good at repaying it in terms of the, the width and breadth of the shows. Matt, that we mm. that we get up to on here. So um, yeah, thanks to everyone and please keep the support coming in. Yeah,
1: wonderful. Thanks to everybody who's listening to this. If you're watching on YouTube as well, uh, bottom right hand corner, click the button to subscribe. Give us a thumbs up and just keep telling your mates about it. Uh, let people know about the Blue Room if you're enjoying it. We really appreciate it. Uh, Word the mouth is the best way to to get the message out there. But yeah, thanks very much to Dave as well. Uh, we'll be back uh, on post-match on Saturday. Just trying to figure I mean, all them all these shows, Dave, have got me being confused. Uh, so what's the score on YouTube with me, Les, and Sue Smith tomorrow? Uh, it's Friday at half five and then instant reaction. Hopefully when Everton have made it seven from seven against Brighton on Saturday. That's been your weekly show. Up the topies. We'll speak to you again very soon.
0: Únese al equipo de BD en Columbus, Nebraska. Estamos contratando para múltiples posiciones con elegibilidad de bonos de inicio de trabajo. Nuestro plan de beneficios integral comienza para todos sus empleados en su primer día, incluyendo los planes de seguro de bajo o ningún costo para algunas posiciones, las oportunidades de crecimiento de la carrera y más. BD está hecho para lo que viene en la salud y su carrera. Solicite hoy en jobs.bd.com. jobs.bd.com.